0: Hi there. Welcome back to the Mindset Check Podcast. I'm your coach, Misha McKittrick. This is a podcast where we believe that as you take time for a mindset check, you have more power than you think you do. And I genuinely believe that when we take time for a mindset check inside of our grief, that we really do have more power than we think we do. You'll see what I'm talking about. In the first season of the Mindset Check Podcast, I'm reading through my journals from when I was 15 and pregnant, and we talk about some tough stuff, you know, I kind of have this rocky road that I'm traveling, including my little girl passing away, and this is the first episode after she passes, and just being completely transparent, I kind of drug my feet a lot with this episode. I didn't know, like I was kind of like trying to prepare my heart to, to jump into all of the details. And then even bigger, I felt the responsibility to make sure that I really share with you the things that helped me in hopes that they help you through whatever loss or grief you experience in your life. And I did have a really cool experience as I was trying to kind of gather my thoughts around all of it. One day I was just out driving and, and running some errands, and I just had one of those little whisperings that just kind of said, Mish, you already know all this stuff. You already know. And just kind of that reassurance that it will come as we, as we just talk about it, as we talk about it, and as we go through the next, you know, however many episodes, that it will all come up, and it, we will share it, and we will talk about it. And so if you're joining us for the first time and you desire just to jump in and listen, go ahead. If you want to know the background and the story, you can jump back in time because it's all chronological with what you experience as you listen to the podcast. Either way, I'm really grateful to have you here experiencing this with all of us. Really the only person in this episode that you might not be familiar with is Caden, And he is Paul's son, who is Gina's stepson, who is Jesse's sister. Okay. Clear as mud, (laughs) right? Let's jump in. February 7th, 1995. I have just experienced the worst and the hardest days of my life. My most beautiful, precious Taley passed away. It was January 18th. I had been living in Cedar at my mom's going to school and going over to stay with Jesse on the weekends. Well, January 18th fell on a Wednesday, and about 10 p.m., Jesse called and asked me to come over. I told him I had school in the morning and that Taylor had a doctor's appointment over in Parowan and that I would come over after that. He kept asking, so I finally packed up all of the stuff we would need and left. On the way over, Taylor was sitting in the front seat and she was staring up at the stars. and then she just went to sleep when we got to milford we brought all of our stuff in and then we sat down and taylee was wide awake when i was on the couch feeding her kaden was still awake so i had a blanket tossed over us to be modest taylee kept taking it off as usual but she was just looking at me as if she were trying to say goodbye I was actually trying to wean her off nursing, and she hated it. So I always fed her once before we went to bed, and offered the bottle even though she was so stubborn she wouldn't take it. That day I went to the tanning beds and I had a sunburn. So Jessie got up with her, which was very unusual, because I always do it. Because Jessie has to get up and go to work in the mornings. And I think part of that reason was because I would have to put her back in bed with us, and that would have made things worse. She went to bed crying, like always, because she couldn't go to bed without nursing and falling off to sleep. And that was her security. It was weird, because she would cry and fall to sleep and cry, and fall asleep, sort of like she was pleading with God. And wanting not to leave us. She knew. That was about 11.30. Jessie got up with her around 3 o'clock and took her in the living room. It was very dark and Jesse said she crawled from the living room into Ashley's bedroom where I was sleeping on the floor and he said she started to crawl on me and Jesse picked her up and took her back in the living room and she wanted to play. She crawled around the table. Jesse followed and she would turn around and see him there and she would just laugh. She also went over to the sliding door and played with the blinds, laughed and giggled. And then they came back to bed and she cried and fell asleep again a few times. And then she just fell off to sleep. The next day was the worst day of my life. We woke up by Gina was waking up Ashley for school. And she said, where's Taylee? Jesse woke up and looked at her and started screaming, Misha, Misha, Paul, etc. I got up and saw her and I started to cry and scream and I didn't know what I could do. Paul came in and started CPR and a minute later the ambulance was there. And I remember riding in the ambulance thanking the lady and thinking that I would be writing her letters for the rest of my life for saving my baby. Even though I already knew somewhere in my mind, she was already home with heavenly father. I remember standing in the hospital hall and a nurse came to me and I asked if she was okay. And she said, No, I'm sorry. They were the coldest words I'd ever heard. And I fell to the floor screaming and I didn't know why. And I was very upset. We sat in the hospital. And I remember holding her and kissing her, but I could not look at her face. I just rocked her like I was putting her to sleep. Then they told me she had to go, and I didn't want to let her go. After a while, we went down to the mortuary to talk to the man, and I and I held her and sang to her. And Jesse held her. And Ashley thought or talked as if she was asleep and held her. And then it was time for the man to take her to Salt Lake for the autopsy. She died January 19th, 1995, and I can't wait to be reunited with her again. The rest of the day was phone calls and visits and family. Staying in questions with some answers and a whole lot of service, food, beds, and help. Friday, we went to Cedar in the afternoon. I finally took a shower. We looked for a suit in St. George and visited with friends. That night was very long. We made a video of her, and it was hard. We didn't get to sleep until 6 a.m. The next day, Saturday, January 21st, her funeral, the hardest day of my life. When When I was walking into the church, I almost turned around and didn't do it, but I knew I had to. And I knew it would be hard. I did it, and it was the most beautiful service. After the viewing and family prayer, I walked into the chapel with Jesse behind her casket, and I buried my head in his back. And I couldn't think without crying that all of those people knew Taley, and she touched everyone's lives. You could feel it when you held her. You could see it when she looked at you. She was an angel. As we drove to the graveside, there were cars at least a mile behind. It was snowing lightly, and the sun came out while we were at the graveside. And my dad says it was her brothers and sisters holding back the clouds, And there was also new growth, green grass. I love green grass. And amazingly, it was under the snow. I picked a rose. I picked a rose from an arrangement and laid it on her casket. And traded it for a quote baby one that was on her casket arrangement. After everyone left and we were getting in our car, Jesse got back out and went down to the casket and laid himself across it and cried. I hugged him and we left. We went down to the luncheon and then back to Milford with family. After the weekend, family went home. Right now, I feel closer to Jesse than I ever have before. I think Taylor's purpose was to come down here and straighten us up so we could go home and be with her and have a family forever. I know we can do it, but it will be hard. I'm willing, whatever it is, I just hope Jesse feels the same. I'm being honest, I've been dragging my feet recording this episode. My truest feelings are it's it's really it is hard to relive, and I feel like I've processed it fine. There's just so many elements to what is going on here. I'm reminding myself that. I'm sharing this for a reason. And, you know, in hopes that it helps other people. And I feel like I truly was given such a great outlook on how to look at death and grief. And it changed my life. It changed the way that my life became defined by having this little girl for the better. And I feel like that is a very good thing to share and to give the world and to help them walk through the ways that they can maybe get into a spot like that. Like you, you know, whatever grief you have experienced in your life, maybe things you haven't processed And to let you know that it's okay to process them. It actually helps you if you you can muster up the courage. It actually helps you to process them and to feel the expansion of what comes on the other side. There's also a really huge element of this story that Requires a great big deep breath, and if you're familiar with this story, or if you have some sort of affiliation with this story, you may need to know that I've decided to tell the story as I experienced it, and let it unfold in the proper timing. Our brain does interesting things. And I think there's a huge part of life that comes at us when we're ready for it. When we're able to handle it and when we're able to deal with it. And there's definitely a big piece of that in this story. (laughs) So some of the things I want to go over are some of the moments that led up to her passing. I talked about her looking up at the stars, and I promise as sure as I'm sitting here that I remember that moment to be almost a witness of an interaction that she had. She was looking up into this beautiful sky, and I felt like there was something bigger happening i'm not entirely sure what she experienced in that moment but i feel like i witnessed something that i could not see and then there were all the moments of her sort of having you know there's a there's a part in her eulogy that describes her having extraordinary depth of vision like she could look into your eyes and see your soul. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> it really did feel like that, you know, if it, if that's just my vision or my view, that's really what it felt like to me. And so each member of my family, both of my sisters and my mom and my dad and I and others that were also there experienced an interaction with her before she left. For me, it was when we were nursing and she would pull that blanket back and she looked at me. There was a certain way she was like looking at me. And then she would go back to nursing and then she would do it again. And she did it over and over. And it felt like to us that that she sort of had her moment with everyone. And there was a really cool feeling with that. Even with the way that we were talking about her when she was falling asleep. And when I say she was crying, she wasn't full out like, like um, it was like whimper cry. Like whimpering. Like you knew she didn't want to do what she was doing cry. Like she didn't want to go to sleep without nursing. Right. And that's, that was the already always, that was kind of how she went to sleep because she was like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm not a very good impersonator of that, but, but then there was this moment that night where she did it over and over and over. Like she would wake up and then it would happen again. And one thing that I will say is I don't believe that she crawled on me at night. I think that that was Jesse just trying to make me feel good (laughs) because I, I feel like I would have woken up for many reasons, but I was a very attentive, um, like I could, I could, I would wake up to hear small little sounds in the night like a like a watch ticking or something you know what I mean so I'm pretty sure that she didn't crawl on me but that's okay because I feel like that was something that he just said to to make me want to feel more comfortable or like that she was wanting me or trying to love me and sometimes that's okay So there was also this moment in the hospital that feels like a, divi- a defining moment for my life. We were in the room. And we were all holding her. And my dad and my grandfather arrived at the hospital. And I remember burying my head into my dad's chest. And just feeling that comfort and sharing the pain. And I turned to my dad for a lot of things, especially during this period of my life, as you have seen. And I remember just saying, Why? 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 And he said, I don't know. I don't know. the reason that that became such a very powerful defining moment in my life is because later I learned the very powerful difference between asking why and more of asking why through the lens of being a whiner, right? W-H-Y-N-E-R-S and I think when our heart and our soul genuinely wants to know why. We do receive those answers. And we are taught and we are shown. And I think there is definitely a, a field that we can fall into that's more on the side of being a whiner, W-H-Y-N-E-R-S, right? So there's the why and the whiners. And when we fall into that, we create ourselves as a victim. And when we do that, when we create ourselves as this victim, it changes the course of our life. It changes what we bring in, what we attract. It changes the way that we view and perceive everything around us. And bigger than that, we miss opportunities. We miss opportunities to see our power. We miss opportunities to function as our highest and best because of the experiences that we are blessed with. Every hard and bad thing that you go through is there to teach you, is to mold you, is to help you become who you're supposed to be. And that's why I feel like that moment for me, looking back on it, You know, I didn't have the answers then and neither did my dad. But I have seen so many answers later. That is a beautiful thing. That is what we have the opportunity to see. And that is what helps you to have the breakthrough and to change from being a victim into someone with a ton of power. I also remember the very day of the accident that a woman called me. And I don't even know who this woman was. Like I, I can't remember. But I remember her calling Uh, us after we had gotten home from the mortuary. And on the phone, she just said, I wish I had magic words for you. I wish I had magic words. And for me to hear that felt so comforting to me. And I still, to this day, don't know why. But it really resonated because, you know, she, she knew that she didn't have words. She knew she did not have words. And so instead she just said she wishes that she had magic ones. (laughs) Oh, I was so grateful that night that they sent us home with a sleeping pill. There's another memory that I mentioned the, about going to her funeral and I was walking into the church and I almost turned around like I couldn't do it. And I remember it was just my mom and I, and we arrived at the church and I just got out of the car like normal. And as soon as I started to walk on that sidewalk, like, like I It was like I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I, I don't remember if my steps stuttered or if I turned around or what it looked like, but my mom just put her arm around me. And I don't even remember if she said anything. she just put her arm around me and helped me helped me walk i feel like my soul didn't didn't want to close the chapter you know and then in her viewing line There was someone who came through and gave me photos of her that I had never seen. And that was incredibly tender and sweet. If you have lost someone also, and just like that woman shared with me, I wish I had magic words for you. I wish I could sew up the torn pieces in your heart. And I don't know how you feel because i'm sure that my situation was different than yours but i do know loss and i do know hurt and i know that somehow our stories help each other i know when i share with you of the familiarity of the voice that raises the new when you're in pain and you didn't even know that that voice was a part of you. I have felt that. And I know how it feels to be alone and to cry because it feels like that place is the most authentic way to allow your feelings to come and to continue in that emotion for longer than you knew was in you. And I also know How it feels to need to be strong for the people around you. And to feel like you actually need to do that. Even though that's not always what's necessary. That's not always what's best. So my hope is to... Bring you through the next little bit of the parts of my journal. The next few episodes all the way through things that helped me to think and to process and to look at this experience the very best that I could. And maybe somehow that can unravel for you whatever tied up tight ball of yarn is in your heart. My dad had an idea in the way that we refer to her passing. And I loved it. It was that we could refer to her passing as a graduation because she's moving from one phase or one life onto the next. She's moving and graduating into the next, the next thing. And usually when people graduate, we feel happiness for them. And he reminded me that the sadness only comes because we're feeling that selfish feeling of missing them which is totally and completely okay to feel, but that when we can check in with them, like moving on, it helps us to to feel happy for them. It helped me to feel happy for my daughter. So many times as we talk about her passing, you'll hear me talk about her graduating, because for me, that's what she got to do. Also, you know, I've heard people say that when there's things that are really, really bad, look for the people who are doing the most good. And as I've prepared for today's episode, I just went through, through this photo album where I collected photos. And I also collected, you know, documents and, and things that were given to us, like poems. And there's one that I'll share with you um, that came from a friend. And then I'll share the little note that she left afterwards because this had me kind of emotional today. The poem is called Mother Remember by Wanda Miller. Dear Mother, I know that you were saddened when I had to leave. My stay on earth was so very brief. My passing was sure to cause you pain, but mother, I'm not really that far, so very far away. Whisper, and I will hear. I am here with father. I am happy. Please, mother, won't you be happy too? Live your life rich and full. Fill each day with warmth and sunshine. Look closely at the flowers and the sky. Drink deep the beauty of the sunset and the gentle falling of the rain. Then we may share their sweetness when we meet again and mother, remember always, I love you. So that that's the poem. And then the little note that she wrote to go with it is what really got me. She said, dear Misha. And this, this, oh, this was written on the very day that this happened. And she was a friend of my mom's. It says, dear Misha, upon hearing upon your loss, I knelt oh my gosh I knelt in prayer pleading with father to comfort and sustain you and your dear mother almost immediately the spirit prompted me to retrieve a poem i had written years ago it seems your little daughter wanted you to know May God bless you. Much love, Wanda. It really got me when she said, it seems your daughter wanted you to know. And you know, we've talked about on this podcast before, the whisperings that we get. And when we get those, man, they can be life-changing for other people. You know, and I remember this bringing me a lot of comfort And the idea to like look to nature, that we can sort of enjoy that together. There's another little poem that really like stuck with me. (laughs) So bear with me as I share it with you. This was a Dear Abby poem that I had was in a little column in the newspaper that I cut out or someone cut out for me. I don't remember. It says to all parents, I'll lend you for a little time, a child of mine, he said, for you to love while she lives, and mourn for her when she's dead. It may be six or seven years or twenty-two or three, but will you, till I call her back, take care of her for me? She'll bring her charms to gladden you, and shall her stay be brief? You'll have her lovely memories as solace for your grief. I cannot promise she will stay since all from earth return, but there are lessons taught down there I want this child to learn. I've looked the wide world over, in my search for teachers true, and from the throngs that crowd life's lanes, I have selected you. Now will you give her all your love, nor think your labor vain, nor hate me when I come to call her back again? I fancied that I heard them say, Dear Lord, thy will be done. For all thy joy thy child shall bring, the risk of grief will run will shelter her with tenderness, we'll love her while we may, and for the happiness we've known, forever grateful stay. But shall the angels call her much sooner than we planned, we'll brave the bitter grief that comes and try to understand. I feel like, I feel like this poem, like, helped my mindset a lot, you know, because it helped me to understand, like, the gift that she was for the time that I had her. That also brings up a little memory that I had when Taylee was four months old. I went to her crib and it seems like she wasn't breathing and I, I just moved her a little bit and I was like, <gasps> and she took a breath And I feel like that that was a little moment for me to see that the rest of her time was a gift, like that she didn't have to be here. And you know, these are just little intuitions and feelings that I get, okay? But you get your own. You get your own to try to help you understand or to see things maybe through different eyes and pay attention to them. Like, Don't scoff those off. Let that sink deep into you because you're being taught meaning. You're being taught reasoning. And I feel like that that is like, you know, paying heed and paying close attention to that is something that is is so tender and helpful as we move through. Yeah, just, just knowing that her life was a gift. And then also in the poem, it says, I've looked the wide world over in search for teachers true. And I remember, I remember my dad saying to me, Mish, like I picture you and Taylee in heaven as, as just the best of friends and knowing that she just needed to come here and get a body She asked you for the favor. She asked you. And so, again, it made me feel like I was very privileged. One thing that I want to remind you of is that in your grief, you still have the opportunity to love. You were made to love. And so burying that ability is not what's going to help you process. You still get to love the person that you're missing. You still get to actively love others in your life. And you still get to mourn with the people who also loved the person you're missing. And so, take all of the energy that you would have poured into the person... And pour it into into them in in ways. We're going to talk about different ways that you can still pour love into them, even though they're not here. We're going to get into that in future episodes. But I think also just making sure that you are still loving. Because a lot of times what people do is they'll just bury it. And they decide that they're not going to (laughs) love. That that person has now left them, and so they don't have the capability then to share that love anymore, and it cripples them. Instead of understanding that we all have in our hearts love, evidence of love, and that we all have the need to express that love. And it helps us process when we do still love. So find the people that are around the story that you want to put that energy into and love them hard. I honestly feel like learning that has been a key factor in why I've been able to process in such healthy ways. Our family fell into each other's arms. You know, instead of burying it and trying to not talk about it because somebody else was going to get emotional. Even even times where we would forget, you know, like, because your your brain reverts to what it already knows. So your brain reverts to like, oh yeah, Taylee and what's normal and all this stuff. And one time I walked into my mom's work and she said, hey, Mish. And this was kind of fresh after she's like, what? Where's Tay?" And she just looked at me after. And I looked at her and we just held each other and just, we just cried. She's, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, gosh, no. Wouldn't you rather that she remembers her? (laughs) Wouldn't you rather be a place where we can safely express our emotions and just love Like it's a happy thing that she was defaulting to her just being part, you know, here and part of our life, in my opinion. (laughs) So I think it's all how we interpret it. We always say, right? It's not really what happens in life. It's what you think about what happens. It's how you process what happens. And you all know I love lessons in nature. And this last summer, we went to Glacier National Park. And there was this incredible, vast forest out in front of us that was on the going to, I think it was called Going to the Sun Road. And on that road, there was this incredible forest where the trees still felt young. And it was very interesting to me that It wasn't like all of these young trees with old trees. It was like all of these even level younger trees. And then when I learned about the lodgepole pine, I understood. So I'll tell you about this pine tree. The cones of the pine hang on the tree for years without falling to the ground and releasing their seed. And in fact, even when the cone does fall it often remains tightly closed. When the forest fire rages, destroying all the trees in its path, the intense heat of the forest fire actually causes the lodgepole pine cones to burst open and finally release their seed. So out of devastation, out of adversity, these unique pines are often the first trees to produce new growth. I love that lesson from nature. I love that out of devastation and adversity, we see new life. We see a new beginning. And I think that speaks so true to me because I know what it's like to feel really protected in that cone (laughs) and that when the fire comes, it opens up and releases its seed I know that God never promises us that we're going to escape the adversity in life. But I do believe that he promises that in the midst of the storms and the clouds of tragedies and the struggles of everyday life, that he will cultivate new life through our adversities and through the things that are hard for us. I'm a very big believer that as we go through hard things that it enriches the human experience. And on the other side of this story I can tell you that going through that and I I know this is hard to hear for people who are in the struggle but it's really had a way of blessing my life. You know to see see things differently, to relate to other people with compassion, and not to mention all of the beautiful stories that I still have about my daughter, even though she's not here, that prove they're not that far away. And she has done things that she could not have done if she were here on earth. She has affected people's lives and just some of the neatest stories that if they come up, like I'm more than happy to share. So let's dive in. Let's hold each other's hearts very carefully. And let's walk through it together and figure out the things that you can do To think about things differently, about adversity or loss that might help you process it better. And I'll help you see that inside of that, inside of grief, you actually have more power than you think you do. And because we believe that our stories are so powerful and they help others, I wanted to invite you to share yours whatever is in on your heart and in whatever way you want to share it. So if you want to share a little something that I can read on the podcast, if you want to share something in our private Facebook group for the mindset check podcast, um, however you feel would be best, we would love to hear it. One of our listeners, Shira shared with us this. I listened to your podcast on vibrations today and it hit me so, so powerfully. Misha, you are so very gifted, and I'm so glad you are sharing that gift with so many others. That episode spoke straight to my soul about some issues I have been wrestling with. I feel so inspired to not just worry about the issues that aren't directly mine, and just work on flying as high as I can. What a powerful way to show those you love most That you love them enough to be your best self. and getting emotional, thinking about what a beautiful eternal truth that is. And it was exactly what my spirit needed in this season of life. Love what you're doing. Shira, thank you so much for your words. Thank you for the uplift. And it definitely propels me and helps me know that what I'm doing really is making a difference for others. And... I think also by you just sharing what you've shared, you help other people have, have some sort of a breakthrough in just the small amount of words that you shared with us. So thank you so much. And so just like Shira, if any of you have anything that you want to share, I would invite you to reach out to me. You can email me hello at myfriendmisha.com. You can DM me on Instagram at myfriendmisha, that's M-E-S-H-A. And you can also DM me on Facebook. So lots of ways. I also want to invite you, if you're not a member of the private Facebook group for Mindset Check, for the Mindset Check podcast, it's free. And it's just a place where we're gathering pictures and stories from each other. It's just a place for us to have this safe place where you are able to surround yourselves with other people who are feeling the same vibration and being drawn to this podcast. So it's there for you. And one more thing, please remember to rate, you know, click the stars and also write just a couple of sentences for a review that helps our podcast so much. Thank you so much for opening your heart and listening today. I wanted to leave you with this quote from Jack Thorne that says, those we love Never truly leave us. There are things death cannot touch. Until next time, my friend.